Hello. I'm not Dustin, but I am James. Welcome to a Dustinless episode of 43.6. Uh, as I said, I am James, and I'm here with my brother from the same mother, Maddie. How are you, buddy? Yo. Good. Uh, I feel like we should have gotten, you know, this might sound bad, but like our replacement brown guy. That is 100% kind of, racist. To cover Dustin, but I mean, we move oh, on. Oh, you're talking about you're talking about a friend of yours? Yeah, I mean, talking about we, someone we specific. I feel like if you're talking about someone specific, then it's not racist. Yes, it's someone specific, mostly because I think he just wants to come on one day when it's a heavy, heavy, heavy wrestling episode and just talk wrestling. Well, that's not this episode. <laughs> so you wouldn't. No, I know. But maybe uh, maybe a post WrestleMania episode or something. Yeah. Then he because, yeah, he all the time is like, yo, I want to do like wrestling trivia or come on and just talk wrestling for for a couple hours with him. And I'm like, man, I'll take a Monday. I'll take care of the kid or in this right. case, a Wednesday. And you guys can just do like a whole WrestleMania roundup. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if you want, I mean, I didn't know he was that into wrestling. So anyway, <laughs> as we as we backroom talk about somebody that nobody knows. Uh, this is 43.6. We are a sports, mainly sports podcast, but kind of a lifestyle podcast at times too. Uh, and this episode is brought to you by our good friends at Now Your Treasures, but we will get to that later. Uh, normally what we like to do at the top of the show is we like to discuss our weeks that we had. Uh, again, we are Dustinless, so it's just the two of us. So I'm going to defer to you because you're the only one to defer to. Right on. Um, no, week was good, honestly. Um, my kid's McLaren that I had mentioned that I bought earlier showed up today. So that's exciting. She's too small to use it. So most likely I'll probably just bring it over to dad's and set it up and your kid can play it <laughs> for a little bit because I mean, it's by the time, yeah, by the time she <clears throat> was done with it, like your kid will just be ready to use it, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. So I figured it's kind of kills two birds with one stone. Um, I did have the friend who showed me the deal. She kind of gave me a heads up. She's like, oh, by the way, I did some research on these. Apparently, people replaced the battery to give it more power and more speed. And I said, look, my kid's one. She doesn't need to go that fast. <laughs> like 12, 12 miles an hour to her is like 200 miles an hour to us. We're not, we're not trying to get to 1985 here. We don't need to hit 88 miles an hour. We're good. Um, right. I just pictured Dale Earnhardt being like from basketball, basketball. Being, hang on and just everyone <laughs> shoots kill, back the roadkill kind of tape dude I've never laughed harder at a scene in a movie than I've laughed at roadkill con on tape and I I've even like some of the younger people at work who don't know basketball I will show them this and I'll be in tears and they'll just look at me as like, like <laughs> the, what the hell's wrong with you yeah, like, you're a weird guy yeah, like, <laughs> new, <laughs> new sound clip for y'all. Uh, they'll look at me like that. But, yeah, man, I, I just, I'm in tears. I don't, like, I don't know. It's, there's something, I mean, for all the PETA people out there, it's not the harming of animals that's funny. It's, it's the fact that somebody recorded over a tape. Like, so, okay, let me, let me. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to give some context for those. So, in basketball, the with the main character, he has this videotape of Reggie Jackson hitting the third home run uh in a game that he caught 
uh, and he's down on his luck. So he watches that to kind of reminisce because it's a good memory. And somebody recorded over that moment game memory with uh, like roadkill caught on tape, like like those old Fox shows they used to air late at night, like right after cops and cheaters and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. And so you see Dale Earnhardt driving this taxi. Is it a taxi? Uh, yeah, he was driving the taxi in, uh, and he throws on his helmet. <laughs> oh no, he drives a taxi at the end, but in the, yeah. Oh yeah. It's Dale Earnhardt at the end, but in the video, yeah. you don't know who the driver is. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And it's just, it's just dash cam of nighttime driving. And it's just a car just plowing roadkill, like just dummying one record. after another. Like just picking them off, yeah, just dummied in and right over the windshield, and they're clearly like it's, not real. But it's, it's the funny. reactions too, though, where he's like, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> and the right. thing is, is that's one of those scenes where you know it's coming, you're pre-laughing to it, yeah, because you know it's about to happen. <laughs> Dude, I'm laughing just, thinking about it, <laughs> right? So you you're pre-laughing and you see the scene and it just never gets old because like no. each repeated viewing and i'm no it's ha- like i said i know it's coming but i'm still pissing myself laughing watching that scene yeah it's a it's definitely like that whole movie is full of like quotable scenes moments or like things you can pull out and kind of isolate as like funny bits you know that don't have to be connected to anything in the movie like when they're trying to revive the kid <laughs> with the with the defibrillator <laughs> Oh yeah. man, but I, yeah, we're talking was, about something you guys have to see. But um, what else? You got the yeah, car. Oh, I had so much shit show up today. I I finally got my hands on the collector's uh, Squishmallows of oh. the Pokemon, the Pikachu and Gengar. Um, that was pretty exciting. Considering I know it's so nerdy and so dumb, but those sold out in like thirty seconds on the Pokemon Center website. So when mm-hmm. they said GameStop got them, I ordered right away and hadn't got them That's shipped big. and. They were like, well, you can pick up in store for free shit for to avoid shipping costs. Like, I don't give a shit. I'll pay five dollars. Just send it to me. I don't want to go nowhere. Dude, Squishmallow is a thing. I think people underestimate how big Squishmallows are in uh, in the retail market space, uh, market space, marketplace, retail space, Either marketplace. Um, the like, so I work on on like Amazon and shit, and like consistently, Squishmallow is. That one of the top search terms across aggregate Amazon, like that's how. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like, they're like that's what I mean. Like you're you're saying, really? That's how underestimated they are as a brand. I think people don't know the power of the the squish mellow. It's it's unreal. And I've Popularity. had my kid has some, and they're like, dude, I looked up. Yeah, I looked up squish mellow type pillows because my kids' squish mellows are, are more comfortable than my own pillows, so they could just make a pillow. Like a Squishmallow, I would buy it. Oh, yeah. They're very comfortable. And they, like, mold and they, like, they caress your head so nicely when you lay on them. They're great. And that, like, velour. Yeah. <laughs> but now, in the heyday, Squishmallows are Beanie Babies. Because Squish- we grew up in the Beanie Baby craze. Beanie Babies. But you have to, like, adjust for era because Beanie Babies, at the height of the popularity, didn't have Amazon, didn't have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, like things to help push the popularity and make it a thing as Squishmallows has become. So in thinking with that in mind, 
I, th- I think a better comparison is Beanie Babies and Pop Figures. I think that's way, way more appropriate. But because I think like they all had names, right? And there were different versions and variants, and there were special yeah. ones you could find somewhere. And well, it's kind of like Squishmallows because yeah. you can get the same cheetah, but you can get different colors. That's true. My kid actually got the special Squishmallow out of her Christmas gift. Like they, she got the the mystery one. So you know how they have like yeah. three. Like so, Squishmallow now has like a mystery can. You open it and you don't know what's in it. And there's like five to collect, and they tell you four of them. But the fifth one's a mystery. She got the mystery one because it wasn't oh, on the cool. back. So that's kind of neat. I don't know if it's like worth and, anything, but but um, knowing her, she probably grabbed it. Was like it's the mystery one. Yeah, she was like, I got the ultra rare. So she was stoked. No, that's that's cool. It's it's nice here. Like when she gets the Pokemon card, the Pikachu, this is the one I wanted. That was all right. But uh, yeah, no, like, so got the Squishmallows. Those came. Um, I'm just trying to think. It's just I, I remember you telling me when you when you first had your kid and you were saying a lot of days and time just become a blur. And I was like, nah, it does. Yeah. You just like everything, like every moment outside of the moments with your kid are kind of, they're important or, but not as much so, but they become forgettable quicker. Yeah. Because you're constantly focused on the kid. And in those moments, you find yourself just thinking about the kid. (laughs) So yeah, they blur together in that interconnectivity of, of your child. It's yeah, it's crazy. And she's starting to try to stand like, we'll hold like i'll hold her and she pushes herself up and she'll stand and i won't even like really brace her i just kind of hold her head and she'll stand for about seven seconds on her own and then the legs collapse yeah and i'm like kid this is too soon like chill like be a vegetable for as long as you possibly can because once you start walking life gets harder oh for sure right so but no honestly that was my week work i mean work is we all wish at some point maybe this takes off. We can create our own sports media network and never have to actually work real jobs again. But oh, and Harry Potter, obsessed with Harry Potter. Yeah, like, I was obsessed. That's one of the games that I sit there and I, I when I'm looking for something new to pay, play, and I, I sit there, I stare at it, and I'm like, do I actually right. want to play this game? PlayStation I, I, Family. That's I guess that's true. I, guess I don't have to purchase it. <laughs> You don't have to pay for it. That's how you got That's, Spider-Man. And God of War. Uh, and God of War. And Final Fantasy. You literally, there's a history of you bootlegging off me for no, a I while. Got, I didn't get Spider-Man. I got Miles Morales. That's different. I got that, and I got uh, the Final Fantasy episode seven. one or whatever. Yeah, Final, yeah, Fantasy, Final seven. Fantasy seven remake. remake the, yeah, because they're going to go remake, rebirth, and then whatever the last one will be titled. But yeah, it's shoes, hoodies, and games. Yeah, and not to not to story jack you here, but you made the no. the video game thing. So I played. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna replay the GoldenEye campaign now that it's on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. But so I finished the first level and I was like, cool, whatever. And then I went to play Facility, which is the second level, and I'm playing and I get to the end, and well, I get halfway through and I forget that the tanks that i'm supposed to blow up are at the end of the game or at the end of the level i thought they were like mid-level because there's other rooms you go in with tanks so i threw my my remote mines a couple of them on those ones and you can't like pick them back off so i was like shit so i went and i met 006 at the room and i threw the, my remaining remote mines on there and i'm killing all the guys and then i'm trying to dodge and the, the waves just of guys just keep coming 
so I I jump on this um, conveyor belt. Like I forget this fucking game, uh, and the conveyor belt takes me out of the level, and it's like complete, and you fail blowing up the containers. So I just it's like try again. It brings me all the way back to the start, and I was like, I don't remember. Like life without checkpoints is a life I don't wish to live in. I don't Jeez. remember what it was like to not have checkpoints in games. So it really makes you realize how bad game design was back in the day. Ooh. And I don't know if that was a capacity thing or a technological limitation that they couldn't do it, but you look at it or whether it was a conscious choice to be like, this is a 007 game. We want to make it difficult. And so we're going to remove that. But you know when worse, you go though? back and look at some games. You know, you know what's worse though? In speaking of game design, in that game, in that level, I went... I killed every guy and I explored every room. There's nothing no to attain from going no. to all. I like, you should just stay on the path that you need to stay on because nothing else matters. It's there's literally no, objective. That's it. Yeah. There's no side thing. There's no Easter. There's nothing. When do you so. think like the advent and I know like we're getting way off topic, but whatever. When do you think like the advent of the huge collectibilities and huge side quest database came in? Because Harry, so there's games that they have collectibles, but then you look at them, you're like, I don't want to do this. This is just too daunting. It's too tedious. Too, Diablo. Too much. Yeah. Harry Potter, though, has like nine different things to go and collect, but it never feels out of place or tedious. Like you never sit there and feel like this is a chore because it, it all feels like it's in the process of the game. Like you will come across them in the game and if you don't do the things you need to do to find them in those moments you can come back to them but <clears throat> it just works because I think the advent to that is like like side quests and the, i think diablo maybe yeah. or maybe elder scrolls before that i don't know i don't know what came first i'm not that well versed um, i would i would say yeah like maybe morrowind was like the real for me anyway because yeah that was the first real first expansive rpg where it's just open world you get dropped in go nuts you don't have to follow any direct path until you want to unlike the golden age of rpgs for us which would be snes and yeah like i feel like that's kind of where it started and i think it's just only kind of gone on from there i mean uh, that was the first like time i was exposed to that kind of thing but um yeah it was uh like Morrowind and Oblivion, all that stuff. Like that was kind of my first introduction to all the side quest shit. So I don't know, I'll download Harry Potter and I'll give it a shot. And Do it. I will you'll, commit you'll to find getting through Velio every five seconds. I will commit to getting through Goldeneye just because I remember the campaign being so good. And like even the first bit of playing it, I'm like, I have the nostalgia, so I want to do it. And then of course, like I think we talked about this last week, Hi-Fi Rush is amazing. So I'm still yeah. playing playing through that. I want. That'll be my next playthrough game after Hogwarts because this summer with Final Fantasy 16 coming, Diablo 4 coming, and shit like that, that it's that's gonna ruin my life. So I think I'm gonna commit to trying Diablo this time. I played three, I liked it, but then I stopped playing. But I think I'm gonna commit to doing four. If you um, have people to play with, especially this one's more MMO based too, though, like where it's more open world, where you're not in your own world and you invite people in and then do dungeons with them. It's literally a shared world. So I, it doesn't um, feel as lonely. I 
got quite the steal on eBay last week. I got this Brees Hall. You, you can't see it, but Maddie can no, see can it on see the it. camera. The autograph? Yeah. The foil? The, it's the very Jets. nice. How much Brees I Hall? Here? 20 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. You buy sport. You buy the sport in the offseason or a team that's not in the playoffs, and the price tends to come down. So, I wonder what a Brock Purdy card looks like right now. <laughs> oh, it took a nosedive after. They, they, I would say prices fell a good forty percent on his cards after the San Francisco got knocked out of the NFL playoffs. Which I'm going to try and do a Dustin segue here. Concluded. Well, it was more about before you did that though. You didn't talk about your week. That was it, Brees Hall. <laughs> Brees Hall card. It. No, and that and I've, man, I have a problem get with collecting in general. I like, I can't decide what I want to stick to. Like one week it's Pokemon cards, one week it's sports cards, one week it's video game stuff. It's always comic books. Another like I'm into vinyl now. I just noticed actually before we move on to the Super Bowl, I just so I got um, I was in Sonic Boom downtown. I picked up the new Coheed and Cambria album vinyl it's limited to like a certain number and I, w- I put it in my vinyl collection which isn't very big but apparently it's significant i looked in my vinyl collection i have two i have a bunch of coheed albums i didn't even know i had one of them is autographed no idea oh no i know i remember the show you got that autographed actually yeah the afterman album is autographed yeah. and then my a day to remember what separates me from you is limited to a thousand prints I was like, oh, I didn't know this. So that's I have pretty some, cool, like, though. Pretty significant vinyl. But you know who uh, can afford a lot of vinyl? <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs after winning the Super Bowl. I'm sure all those mans got paid out in bonuses. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, now a two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl MVP, two-time league MVP. Right? Am I right? Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I know we went into Super Bowl weekend with the question about Jalen Hurts, and I think that's where I'd like to start, is the oh man yeah. led most of this game. and The man should have won the MVP. I'm, I'm convinced that fumble for the return, if he fumbles that ball, they pick it up and say he gets, uh, he gets tackled and maybe Casey kicks a field goal or Mahomes comes on, whatever. He still wins MVP. The fact that it went back for a touchdown, I think lost him the MVP regardless of win or loss though. I, I think he should have been the MVP of that game. Has anyone ever lost the Super Bowl and won MVP? I don't think so. I, I don't think it's common. I like, I think it's one of those things like even every sport it's, the, they generally have a guy being like, if this team wins, it'll be him. If this team wins, it'll be this guy, right? So, But what um, I was going to ask you was, do you think this validates Jalen Hurts as a top quarterback in the league? Or do you think falling short in the Super Bowl kind of leaves him where he is as this really good quarterback, but just under those top guys? Like when you're thinking top 10, he's probably in the – like. Currently, before this run, you know, is he in the top 10? Maybe top 15, probably. And then as the year went on, you know, I think a lot of people were saying, you know, he's creeping in the top 10, but he was performing like top five. Where do you think he lands now using that kind of scale after this? So I know you've been a big kind of Jalen Hurts guy. Into last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and 
I agree he didn't get the love he should have gotten. Top 10, yes. I think if he has another year like this year, next year, I think it's easier to say top five for sure, especially with guys. like If you think of top five quarterbacks right now, you'll think Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. You could argue with what he did, even though there's less of a sample size, maybe Trevor Lawrence, just because you can see where that guy's going. And it's almost scary where he's going. Um, Josh Allen, and then who else would be after that now in this league? Justin right? Herbert? No. I wouldn't put Herbert over Hurts. If you're if you're okay, if you're going into a Super Bowl game right now and okay. you can have either Herbert or Hurts, who are you taking? Yeah, that's a good point. So I I think he's top ten, yes. I think he's probably creeping into that top five, especially if he goes out and repeats this kind of season. Not saying he has to get to a Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl, but if he gets him to the division championship and or even, you know, just into the playoffs and has a stellar year, then I think there's no question he'd be top five. I mean, that game alone, which pissed me off because he fucked up my payouts because he wanted to run the ball in every fucking play but he have we ever seen a quarterback just say i'm putting this game on my back where they they throw the ball and they make plays but i mean physically to run the ball that much into the and through some like fourth and threes and fourth and ones is saran is sarani is that how you pronounce his last name and nick sirianni Sirianni, he uh, n- notorious for the fourth down. Like, that man doesn't punt because of Jalen Hurts. Because Jalen Hurts, yeah. they have the best quarterback sneak in the league. They can average two and a half, three yards on every quarterback play. It's disgusting. There was one play Hurts had was the scramble to the outside where he ended up running about six yards back and he, he ended up making the completion. I thought it was really indicative of the type of quarterback he is and could be. I think... I don't know if he needs to win next year. Could be, and I'll say this: the reason I don't know if he needs to win, and by win I mean a Super Bowl, is because the Eagles are in for a lot of hurt. No pun intended. Next year, the, their defense, a bunch of those guys might retire. Like Fletcher Cox might be retiring. Jason Kelsey on the, the center might be retiring. Like there's yep. a lot of UFAs and a lot of guys that might be off that team, um, and they've lost both their offensive and defensive coordinators. Um, yeah, they're going to be the coaches of um, Colts and I forget who else. But yeah, yeah, I have to look it up. I don't remember. Gone. But yeah, so a lot of changes coming in Philadelphia. But, uh, you know, as much as they, they got out early, early on, um, kind of back and forth, uh, dude, at the end of the day, just Patrick Mahomes is is what they said he is. He's possibly the the most gifted quarterback of all time. Yeah. I mean, you've had guys who've been smart quarterbacks and guys that know, like Peyton Manning, he was never an athletic guy. He just thought the game so much better than everyone else. And I don't think that's really even a question. I mean, I think Peyton would be the first to admit that he, when he stepped on the field, was probably in the bottom 50% of just athleticism. But when it came to his football IQ, and his recognizing defenses and, and plays, it was oh, his audibles were legendary. Omaha. Um, it's it's so I think it's 
the thing with Mahomes is he has the IQ, but he has the athleticism to go with it, which has been something that I don't think we've seen a lot. We've seen, you know, really athletic QBs. Lamar Jackson is one of them. Um, you know, Donovan McNabb was a beast at QB. Uh, I mean, Michael Vick, but, you know, Michael Vick. Uh, really athletic guys on the back end that could throw the ball, but no one that could pair that athleticism with the mind. I mean, that I can think of to this level in recent history. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to, you know, even us on this on the show, in our preview, we undercut the Chiefs because we thought... You know, the loss of Tyreek Hill would be too much. They didn't really have a running game. Pacheco comes out and, and looks like a stud running back. Um, well, know, he got Ma- rocked yeah. by that linebacker. For, I forget who it was for the Eagles. And he, I thought that was it for him. Because I thought the whole point was they were just probably thinking he's going to run the ball a lot fade back, let him break through, shadow him, and then when you get your opportunity, just drill him. Yeah. I thought he broke a rib yeah, on that play. And two plays later, he's out and goes for six. And, like the, and the, the Kansas City defense wasn't anything really to write home about. Um, but I think we undercut how the offense flows through Mahomes to everybody. And I mean, that's that should be kind of self-explanatory or kind of obvious, but you know, when we think we think about tight ends and everyone's like, Oh, Gronk, Gronk. Travis Kelsey is probably, is probably the, the greatest tight. Like the chiefs have in their history, Tony Gonzalez and now Travis Kelsey are probably two of the greatest tight ends of all time. Uh, and I think we undercut like that. I think that man scored a touchdown in every playoff game. And I don't know if I've ever seen somebody as open on a football field as much as Travis Kelsey gets open. And it makes no sense. It should, yeah, right? They can't find him. Defenses can't find him, and I don't understand it. Well, and the thing is, too, is with how beat up or how suspect that receiving core was for the Chiefs, you double coverage all day on Kelsey, right? You you don't worry about anyone else. You go man-to-man. You maybe do, you know, cover one Kelsey and then have that safety kind of shade to him while kind of playing, yeah, like maybe kind of playing more to him, but leaving himself open for second, third, fourth options in the slants on, you know, across the middle, because that's Kelsey's bread and butter is, you know, that five to 10 to 12 yards out. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's funny. They didn't have any. The, the 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 Chiefs didn't have any deep threats. Like no, I mean, Dustin was talking earlier today because we were kind of talking about Juju Smith-Schuster and his <laughs> stupid tweets, but they didn't have. Like, Dustin consistently takes that man on the under because he doesn't he doesn't get any yards. Right. So if you think about, you know, guys on the team who, you know, are wide receivers that get yards, I'm, I'm just, forgive me, I'm looking up the, the roster. You know, it's, it's not. Could you imagine? You're right, though, but could you imagine if they get a number one deep receiver? 
I know, right? Because you have the, you know, from scrimmage five yards out covered by Mahomes if he wants to run it or whatever. Then from like five to 15, you have Travis Kelsey, who's borderline unstoppable at this point. And then if you have a deep threat kind of receiver free agent that they can bring in. And if you're a receiver free agent, why wouldn't you want to go there? You would be the number one choice, you know, 10 yards out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think it's a very attractive destination for a wide receiver. I mean, I guess like Juju's like WR one on that team. And if Dustin was constantly taking the under and being right, and Kadarius Tony, who was a rookie last year for the Giants and traded to the Chiefs, is WR3. So, and Valdez Scantling was wide receiver too. So that's not that's not a deep like receiving core. They're, they're not. So they basically survived off Pacheco and Juju or uh, Pacheco and Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Like that's how the offense survived. Which, if you think about that, is incredible. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you look at some of the, like, Sammy Watkins is a free agent. I mean, yeah, he's yards per reception. He got last year, he had one, just over 20 yards per reception. Um, I mean, yeah, like, if you're a free agent, I'm just and looking did he at not play list. for the Did he not play for the uh, Panthers? I think he did. Let me see. Actually, no, he played for the Bills. Last year? Oh, no. So last year he played for the Ravens. Ravens. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he started with the Bills, and then he was actually Chiefs, Chiefs, and then Ravens last well, year. there you go. So maybe, maybe he goes back to the Chiefs. I don't know. But I just think if you're a wide receiver, you look at that, and you say they have their running backs, it looks like, and their running game pretty centered. They have, obviously, the best tight end, arguably, in history. And if you could be like, I could be that number one receiving option. Right. Go win a ship. So um, where do you think this ranks in terms of Super Bowls you've seen? I saw some people saying it was a great game. I saw, I mean, a lot of people think it got ruined by the call at the end. We don't have to go too much into that. I mean, the DB said it was a hold. He was trying to get away with one at that point in the game, which I don't blame him for. You would think naturally those things get let go, but all that aside, some people said it was exciting. Some people said it was kind of meh. It was, it was really like a tale of two halves. That first half that the Eagles really pushed, and then they just let their foot off the gas, which we see in you know basketball and hockey so much that when you let out your foot off the gas, another team, the other team will come in and just you know take advantage of that. Obviously, it's not going to rank against that Super Bowl with. Tom Brady in New England against the Falcons and they were down 27-3 at the half and came back and won because that's probably going to go down as all-time or even the uh, Patriots Seahawks with the Marshawn Lynch not running when they had the ball on the one-yard line. But I, I think it'll be up there that I've seen. Um, it was it was entertaining. It was good. The rest kind of stayed out of it for most of it, which was surprising, mm-hmm. which I guess what pisses people off about that call is there's so many calls they probably could have made throughout that game and that's the one they decide to call. Right. Yeah, I felt like there weren't a lot of egregious, weird penalties, uh, and then yeah, they called that one. I I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was a stand like the two best teams played, and I thought that's what we got. We got the two best teams in the NFL played each other, and and that's what happened. Um, so yeah, I 
I don't know. I I actually I thought there was a moment when I forget who tackled Mahomes, got him in the ankle, and he was on the sidelines. And he was like, "When's the end of the second quarter?" Yeah, I was like, "This is done." Um, but yo, yeah. Also, shout out to Andy Reid for his play calling, man. That guy. I remember when that guy left. Was it Green Bay? No. And Philly. everyone was like, "He's shit." It's yeah, it was Philly. Was it Philly that he left? Yeah, because they couldn't had win, Don right? McNabb, and they said he could never, he couldn't get it done. And Terrell Owens. Well, there we go. The man's got two rings. And the second one against the team that he started his head coaching career with, and was there for I think like ten to fifteen years or some shit. And so then comes today, into Kansas City. So today, if you could pick next year's Super Bowl winner, or next or game, this is a fun. We'll come back to this in twelve months or less. Uh, if you could pick who's going to be in the Super Bowl next year and who's going to win, what's your prognostication? With the idea that everyone would be healthy, like assuming so, it's it's hard not to pick the Chiefs, no? Now, to say though, I say they'll be there whether they win, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> I think a lot of people just look at Buffalo as frauds. <laughs> You know, um, Cowboys are forever frauds. So it's hard not to pick the Chiefs. And if the Eagles can replace the guys that leave with comparable players, because I think Nick Sirianni is the, the main guy anyway. So I, I, th- I wouldn't be surprised to see a back-to-back Eagles-Chiefs Super Bowl, to be honest. That'd be pretty I, cool. I think the Eagles are going to have a hard time getting there. Um, and I think, I don't know. Again, you can't. I feel like an idiot if I counted the Chiefs. Uh, I'm going to say the Bengals are going to go back. Yeah. And I think I think they're going to win. And I think they're going to beat. I think they're going to beat the 49ers. I think the 49ers are. I think it's Bengals 49ers with Bengals coming out on top. Mark my words. What do you think? Who do you think is the 49ers quarterback going into that game then? <laughs> um, With everyone healthy. Like, assuming uh, everyone stays healthy and ready to go. I I don't know how they don't start Brock Purdy next year. I think he's earned it, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, like as much as Trey Lance is, yeah, I mean, who knows if he'll, he's supposed to be ready for camp. Who knows if he will be, but... You gotta think that it's Purdy's job until he loses it, and uh, that's tough. You know what? Because of you, I you can pick next year's Super Bowl right now on FanDuel. Yeah. On FanDuel, not sponsored. I'm gonna go in. <laughs> the Niners are plus nine hundred to win it outright right now yeah okay i'm gonna go out on a limb so obviously we can pick our favorites the chiefs and whatever my long shot pick i'm gonna throw five dollars down right now on the chicago bears (laughs) plus 6500 to win the super bowl excuse me i'm choking on the hilarity that's fantastic That'll win me $325. How much would $100 get me? $6,500. I feel like a $5 bet that does, on the Bears deserves like 
at least 3,000, not 300. Well, if I were to pick the Texans, which are plus 2,800 to win, how are the Cardinals this, like the tied for the worst odds with the Texans? Because I think the season of Fortnite comes out every mid-year. That's good. Yeah, Call of Duty. Because once Call of Duty comes out, Kyler Murray's stats plummet. Coach, but I got the cramps. Getting carpal I, tunnel, coach. I can't throw the ball, coach. Yeah. I got, I, I'm seizing up. Um, but I do like the Niners as a pick. I mean, they've been there for three of the past four years, like right there. Yeah. So, and I think with settling down with the quarterback and maybe not going from Trey Lance to Garoppolo to Purdy and some stability. And they can the start Niners to build, one they can start to build the to play. play. They can start to build a playbook around Purdy if they want to. And I think, like you said, that yeah. that is some stability. Yep. And like I said, I think the Niners are just one of those teams, regardless how they play, people just, guys just want to play there. Yeah. You know, agreed. Candlesticks and ice. San Francisco, like what more could you really ask for as an athlete? Like I always said, as much as if I wanted to play hockey, I would want to play for Toronto. But if I didn't like, say if they're like Toronto is a non-option, like you can pick any other of the 31 teams, where would you want to go? Honestly, for me, it would be Rangers or I don't know, like LA or Anaheim. Like one of those teams would be really cool. Cause could you imagine? We all say this. Remember the hockey, tur- the summer hockey tournaments? Nothing better than walking out of the arena in shorts and flip flops. Yeah. I mean, I'd, those guys probably have to wear suits, but it's nice uh, even, maybe after practice. There you go. Yeah. Um, I play a little game with you before we move on. Okay. Uh, one, two, three, four, five quarterbacks i'm gonna name them and we're gonna take a stab at where they land oh shit okay starting with jimmy gorgeous the porn star himself honestly i think he goes to vegas jimmy garoppolo to vegas yes i think jimmy g is going to end up vegas is not a bad play actually i don't i don't mind that play i think it's a quick jaunt north, and I don't think I think he feels comfortable. And I think, though they just moved on from Derek, I don't, I still don't understand the Derek Carr situation. So I don't know what they see in, in Jimmy G. You know what? I'm gonna say Jimmy G to the Ravens. I, I think Jimmy G is going to the Ravens. Okay. Um, next, Ryan Tannehill. Who? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Tannehill. Hmm. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he's a third stringer in San Fran. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I think it's insurance. He's a guy that has played. He can be there. He can maybe mentor a little bit. But then if, say, Purdy's injury doesn't heal properly and his UCL is still messed up and Trey Lance isn't really working out, at least you can fall back on a guy that has kind of been there. Okay. I'm going to say he stays in Tennessee. I don't think they're ready to move to Malik Willis. And uh, and Tannehill, they, the devil you know in, in Ryan Tannehill. Derek Carr. Actually, I think Derek Carr goes to the Ravens. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he went to the Ravens. Just because I think it'd be such, such a different dynamic than what they've had with Lamar that I think that's maybe what they look for. I think that Derek Carr... Will land with. Hmm. I changed my pick. 
while you think of this. Derek Carr to the Steelers. Oh, that's a good one. You don't think they you don't think they rely on Kenny Pickett? No. I think it's the same thing with Tannehill and Niners. I think you bring in Derek Carr and you're kind of okay with Pickett, but at least you have a legitimate starter there and not a guy that is maybe good for a week or two and then falls off the map. And it's the Steelers. Like they're not gonna settle for having some random dude like Kenny Pickett. They'll oh, want an established random. Um Okay, I'm gonna say Derek Carr to the Colts. I think Derek Carr is gonna go to the Colts. And Carson Wentz is gone. I don't think they care. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, where he he goes at this point. Um, Lamar Jackson. You're gonna hate this, but I would not be surprised if he ends up in the Jets. No, I don't. I. I mean, I think, yeah, I think any one of those guys could go to the Jets. So, I mean, I think, but I think it's one of two guys go there. I think it's either Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson could end up in Seattle. You don't think they have faith in Geno? If I think with all these guys on the board, they're gonna they're gonna look at. They played so well last year that I think they look at the board and say we can't. Like Jimmy Garoppolo to Seattle works too. Like I don't. No, um, I just how did we not think of this? One of those guys is going to Tampa for sure. Oh yeah, that's true. One Maybe of them Jimmy I, G. Jimmy G goes Jimmy to G Tampa. Jimmy G the warm weather shirt off oh, on the beach, Miami yeah. Beach. Jimmy no, in a white linen shirt, half more undone. Por- more porn stars. Yeah, that's All that's right. Jimmy G's beach. It for sure. Then, yeah. I could see I could see him at the Jimmy bus. G turns them into the Tampa Bay fucking ears. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good fit though. Like that's the thing is we've seen we didn't even think of the box, right? Right. I mean we that one Broncos makes a obviously, lot of sense. Yeah. And they need they they're not gonna want to go from Brady to to completely fall off when you have guys like Mike Evans there and shit like right. that. And so you're not and you're not gonna get a Lamar Jackson because he doesn't play their style of game with the weapons they have so yeah. i wouldn't be you're right the but i'm changing garoppolo to the bucks um, yeah that, I, I agree with that one i mean let's check Fanduel see if we can bet on that last one is last one is aaron Rodgers. jets yeah i think that's i think too much smoke there's, yeah and i think we've seen before that where there's smoke there's fire and i just think that just makes too much sense both you know for him as like a transition from going to a team that he can kind of really lead and then also coach Zach Wilson and then also kind of get that, that kind of look. So yeah, I I think Aaron Rodgers goes to the jets. Yeah. And to be honest, I think the, the jets realize that division is actually probably way more wide open than, than they thought. Um, You're going to get a healthy Brees hall back. You have the, offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year under your wing and Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner. Um, you still have, you know, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore, uh, and Aaron Rodgers basically has his pick of any one of those guys to to, to play around with, with, I guess, Sauce on the defensive end. but um, And that division is wide open, I think. Yeah. I think we've seen how human the Bills are. We know that 
the Patriots aren't <laughs> aren't the same Patriots we've known for two decades. We know that the Dolphins are maybe in the market for one of those quarterbacks as well. Um, we don't I mean, know. Tua, you don't know. What I mean, it, what he's going to be like? They they couldn't start him in the playoffs, right? I mean, and they didn't. Did they start? They didn't start Bridgewater. They started their third stringer. So yeah. To me, that says they're probably in the market for one of those guys, too. I could see a Derek Carr in Miami. Yeah. Jimmy G. Um, <laughs> Jimmy G. Jimmy G. Like, every team. He's like, which one of y'all got the hotter bitches? Um, well, the thing is, is, talk about a guy who never gets love, who's actually been a pretty good quarterback, but just still no respect. Right. And then... Um, He's the Rodney Dangerfield in the NFL. I get no respect. Right. And then uh, who else in that division? Am I forgetting someone? Jets, Pats, Bills, Dolphins. Dolphins. I think that's it. Yeah. But no, yeah, I say Rodgers is there. He's got enough to, he's got a lot to work that's with, a, a yeah. lot of young weapons. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look at yeah. last year's standings, the Dolphins were 9 and 8 and the Jets were 7 and 10. If the Jets didn't fuck up those games that they they lost, they didn't, you know. The other team didn't win. I firmly believe they lost those games. Uh, they probably would have been in the playoffs. Now they would have lost the first game in the playoffs, but they're not that far off. So it'll be exciting to see what they look like next year. I think we also forget the Vikings might be in the market for a better QB and upgrade on Cousins. Yep. Um, there's a, there's the, a lot there, man. That offense is too far ahead not to. Uh, yeah. And there's that. There's the one where I think a Derek Carr might work too. Yeah, because we all know the Texans are drafting a QB. The Colts will probably draft a QB first overall, but if he's – that's the other thing too is they'll probably want to bring a guy in for one to two years just to transition. Yeah. But, I mean, why not? If and it depends on what the Bears do, right? Who the Bears trade that pick to. Like, uh, dominoes fall that way. If the Bears trade the pick, I mean, I think they should, but um, we'll I mean, they don't goes. need it like other teams do. Like, in terms yeah. of what they can get for assets for that pick, that would probably – like three or four assets for that pick saying trading that pick going down in the draft by say 10 to 15 spots and then getting a couple other pieces with that goes a, would probably goes a suit lot them better further. than whoever they take second overall goes a lot further for that team multiple pieces than one core piece because i think they have the core piece in justin fields um yeah. but as these quarterbacks you know are cast away like trash to be other teams treasures I'm not as good as Dustin. Does I think he writes them out ahead of time. Yeah, probably. Uh, so this show is brought to you by now your treasures. Let's see if we can get through this without <laughs> messing up. Maddie do then, the ad read. You were gonna. I'm gonna try and do this ad read. So today's episode, episode what number is this? I don't is it 43? It is. Oh, he missed oh, the 43. No way. Dustin's at the Leaf game, episode 43. So episode 43 is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. Visit at Now Your Treasures on Instagram and DM 43.6, nicely on episode 43, for 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. That's now your treasures, N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A 
S-U-R-E-S dot C-A-R dot com today. Nice. That was pretty good. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I couldn't look at you. <laughs> I couldn't look this way as I say because I would have cracked. Funny. That's funny. <laughs> but we um, get there. You know what? Hey, we've all grown. Speaking of cracked, uh, the Leafs cracked last Saturday against oh. the lowly Columbus Blue Jackets, the failing hard for Connor Bedard Columbus Blue Jackets, so much so that they were called out by their coach, Sheldon Keefe. Uh, my favorite line, I think, that he said was, I can't do the work for them. Um, That's so bad. And I think this comes back to something that I've been saying a little bit for this team, is that they they lack the motor. There is an element of a motor on this team that they seem to lack. And it. I know we talk about, well, you know, they, they beat Columbus the night before, um, and then we go back and forth on, well, they kind of lose to shitty teams, and I'm not even aware of the score right now. Do I want to know? Toronto? Yeah. <laughs> the fact like, that you had the Astros are concerned. But that's what I'm saying, right? Someone I, I saw someone on Twitter said, if they beat the Blackhawks, it's meh, it's the Blackhawks. But if they lose, it's disaster. And I think that's the problem, is that we're always sitting here going, it could go sideways. Um, which leads us to the trade deadline. Trade deadline is coming up, what, two weeks? Yeah, just over two weeks. It's uh, two weeks Friday, cause it, which is so nice that it's on a Friday this year. Do you remember Remember the days we used to take the days off from work, have Vacation like the three days. TVs set yes. up in the laptops? Yeah, try and be our own insiders and trade breakers. Um, well, because we would have to do that for like dad and all the yeah, uncles and we all would our be friends. texting them trades. But uh, yeah, the internet wasn't really, well, the internet was a thing, but it wasn't like no one had Twitter. Um, yeah. Guys are being sat out left, right, and center for trade purposes, which is the new, I guess, trade purposes is the new load management, <laughs> right? Like it's the it's the flavor term of the year. Um, Jacob Chikrin was sat out for trade purposes. Um, who else was Gavrikov. sat out? Gavrikov from the Blue Jackets was sat out for trade purposes. I wouldn't be surprised if after tonight's game, if Patrick Kane sits out. Well, Although that may not make sense. And we can go around some of the, the hot ticket guys here, but we can start with Patrick Kane and, and a little bit of the Toronto Maple Leafs because earlier today, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, Toronto's promise. very own Carlo Koliakovo put out there that Patrick Kane was, well, I mean, we all knew he was disappointed by not being the guy who was dealt to the Rangers. He verbally said so or in so many words. Uh, but Koliakovo said Kane really had only two teams on his list that he would accept a trade to, and that was the Rangers, who went the route of Tarasenko, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, I ask you, at this point in time, is Patrick Kane what the Leafs need? Should they explore that as an option? Can they make it work? Uh... What do you think? I think as a guy who if you're if you're purely looking for the type of player where you want experience in the playoffs, you're not going to find a guy more experienced than Patrick Kane in the playoffs. He's third all-time in goals for the Chicago Blackhawks. He's got 3 cups. 
Um, and he he is the definition of a big game player. You know, he scored the game winning goal in Philly for the cup. He's famous for how many overtime goals or game winning goals in the playoffs in his career. So I think if you're looking for that type of guy, and especially if on a team like this, he wouldn't have to be the guy because you have Matthews, you have Nylander, you have Marner. I mean, where would you put him between him and JT? I mean, it's debatable because they're both kind of in and around the same age. But in terms of experience and that kind of intangible, yes, perfect fit. He's a left winger. They need that left winger. He would slot right in. I think he wants to be here because of Matthews. And I think he truly enjoys the spectacle of Toronto because he's that guy that he embraces <clears throat> the lights. You know, he comes alive in the lights. But in terms of what the team needs, he's not it especially when you know who you're going up against. That's the thing is the Leafs can tailor their team for their playoff run because you know it's Tampa and then after Tampa, it's Boston. And then I'm convinced if you come out of those two series healthy, you're going to have a much better time against whoever you're going to face after that. That'll be the Rangers and the Hurricane. Right. Um, so in terms of what they need, no. If the opportunity's there and it doesn't cost a lot, because if the Leafs are his only team after the Rangers, because the Rangers aren't going to do it, you're negotiating from an extremely strong position because he's a UFA at the end of the year. Chicago's in a massive rebuild and not just a retool where, hey, we're going to slot in a couple guys and try to do No, they traded all their young guys. <laughs> right. They're burning it to the ground. So you need to get something. If you are worried that he's going to walk, and not accept a trade to anyone but Toronto, you have to take what you can get. The Leafs can say, hey, why don't we make it a package? Why don't you look at throwing a Lafferty in? Why don't you look at throwing in a Jake McKay, which would also supplement your defense? And to make it work where Kane's not throwing the Blackhawks under the bus while still getting assets back, and the Leafs are getting two things that they need what's not exorbitantly expensive, and maybe they still can go get a bigger left winger or a bigger bottom six winger to be the gritty guy you need or still have the capacity to get a Luke Shen and get some of that grit on the back end that you want and that you need because outside of Gavrikov and Shen, no other defenseman out there available is going to suit what they need. Yeah, I mean, two, a couple of points on what you said. I think him not having to be the guy is... Uh, you know, knowing how good and how much better Patrick Kane was than a Phil Kessel and watching how Phil Kessel thrived as not being the guy, I think Patrick Kane only becomes better in a system where, you know, he's not even the first option. Um, So that would be interesting. You know, I've been admittedly very well, I don't have to admit it, you know, very critical about what this team needs. But the more and more I look at it and the more and more I look at the fact that we are going to go up against Tampa and then more likely to go up against Boston if we make it through Tampa is that I'm I'm throw everything you have at everything you can get, I think, is out. And for me, it's outside of Matthew Nyes, whatever it takes, whatever you need in the Amela and the first and Hall and Kerfoot and Engvall and all like whatever for Patrick Kane, do it. Um, and for that package, then do it. If you can acquire a Luke Shen for a third and a fourth and a second, whatever, you do it. I think 
that window is compressing where they're going to have to make some decisions on some of these guys. Dude, if it's Timo Meyer and it's you and you get him and you figure it out later with the the qualifying of the contract whatever it is, you do it. I think they I, I'm of I'm of the mindset that they can't they can't stand pat knowing what they have to go up against because I'll tell you we sit here and go, oh, shit, we got to play Tampa again. And I think we're a little more confident playing Tampa this time around than last year. But we're still like, oh, it's Tampa. And then we go, oh, fuck, the Bruins. I don't know that They're anyone on the that. other side of the coin is going, oh, fuck, it's the Leafs. No, I think there's severe, And it might work to their advantage a little bit that they're a little bit under-respected. But I also think it, it's a glaring hole that no, there's no fear in playing this team. Um, and I, I'm a firm believer that a certain level of fear like forces mistakes in a team's game. So it, I, I'm now of the mindset, whatever it is, you know, if it's Kane, cool. If it's Kane and Shen, cool. If it's Meyer and Shen, cool. I just don't think standing Pat is, is going to do the gig. And I will say that I think Sheldon Keefe is now sending a message upstairs to his buddy Kyle Dubas by sitting Engvall and Hall saying these guys aren't going to cut it. No. They're not enough. The Toronto's bottom six, like Kerfoot, again, God love his versatility. It, he, he does. It. Hold on. He does. He's one of the few guys that have legitimately stepped up his game in the playoffs, though. For sure. But in, in this year, what we've seen this year does not give me hope for, for the trajectory of, of that game. Again, stepping up your game in the playoffs is great. Are are you going to be able to to go against the depth of Tampa and and Boston? And I think like what you said, if Kane doesn't have to be the guy, like everybody gets pushed down. And we'll like we'll talk about this um, uh, elsewhere. I think I heard this. Um, uh, I think something. I we'll talk about this in the Raptors. I think. When you, when you start slotting guys where they belong, things start to open up. And I think that's what the Leafs need right now. I think they're asking a lot. Like a Cali Yarncroc and a Kerfoot playing second-line winger. Like they're asking too much. David Camp, fantastic on the fourth line. Asking, love Pontus Holmberg. I don't think he's ready for, for those spots come playoff time. You know, no. the, you, need the, you need the motors. You need the horses. And I just think they're... Especially on the back end too, man. I like I love Con- Connor Timmins' game. I I, I love um, Brody and Sandine and Lilligren. I don't want Sandine and Lilligren should be. They should just marry them at City Hall, you know, as a hetero life mates that are defense. They should marry them as defense partners. I now pronounce you lefty and righty. Like that should be <laughs> <laughs> that should be the thing, and yeah. because they're so good together. And you know, I don't know if Chikrin's the guy. I mean, if Chikrin's the guy, here's here's the thing. I don't know that you need Morgan Riley if Chikrin's the guy because I you get I think you get more of a two-way game with Chikrin, and I wouldn't want to send a Lilligren or Sandine out there because if you look at all the comparables, like Timothy Lilligren and Jacob Chikrin are the exact same dude. Like, they're the exact same player in terms – like look at their stats, like down to mm-hmm. – the expected goals for expected goals, all that shit, and even Which time is on the ice. Because Lilligren plays less minutes. I know, 
and it's he's well, actually their minutes are are relatively well not lately but before relatively similar but um when Lilligren had to play more but um like those guys have been studs like that hit from sandine like more 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 um so i, I will say as you say this connor timmons just scored right but to to your point though they're at the point where it's not early in the tenure of matthews and marner to say these guys have played hard we're going to reward them by getting a piece or two this is the point where playing well and being nice to your players is out the window now winning comes first so if there's an upgrade to be made you make it regardless of how some guy has played or might feel kerfoot's been a great soldier sorry dude you haven't got you haven't helped this team get it done or get them over the hump if it means you're slotting down and playing six minutes a night instead of the 12 you're playing too bad this guy's coming in because He's a 35 plus goal scorer. He's six foot two and he's 210 pounds and he can score and he likes to get in the corners and he can grind it out. That's Timo or if Meyer. You, if you got to be the guy who goes the other way to make money work along with a pick, sorry, man. Sorry, like, man. That's, that's, that's the gimmick. We're trying, we're trying to win a cup. We're trying to Winning win a round. Winning comes first. <laughs> you know? And uh, <laughs> I think they need, they need, that bottom six needs some work. And I think you do that by not, asking guys in that bottom six to come up and play second line all the time um so here's the thing then in in your my everyone wants the timo meyer wants the patrick kane you know wants the jacob chicken but everything what you say sounds like it would be nice that's not what they need mm -hmm. like here's the thing do i think matthew nice comes in after frozen four to play yes do I think he gets a first look on that second line left wing? Probably, depending on what they do at the trade deadline. Mo most likely, he'll be third line left wing when he comes in. So if you think about it, they don't even need to go out and blow their load on getting a Timo Meyer. It'd be nice because, like I said, he's six foot two, 210 pounds, and he can play physical and he can put the puck in that. 32 goals, yeah. Yeah, so I I I think they're they need that bottom six guy. I I still think the point you made a couple weeks ago of that Tyler Bertuzzi or um like I said, well, the Luke Shen would be a perfect fit. A guy who knows the market, has been around the block, he doesn't feel the pressure like he used to. I just won. think he'd be a perfect fit at this point. He's one. Um yeah. Bertuzzi would fit on the second line too. Uh um, yeah. And he, I mean, he'll, Bertuzzi's not the biggest guy, but he grinds, he fights, he's a pest, he can score, he's quick. Or what like, if you do, or what if you go, like, and again, I don't know what it's going to cost, but Jonathan Taves could be dealt out of Chicago too. And no one talks about that. And as a third line center, you know, if you're talking, you get a Tyler Bertuzzi and a Jonathan Taves. Like, again, I don't know if Tay's appetite to be here. I don't know what the situation is. I've heard it tossed around for Toronto a number of times, but, like, there's another guy, you know, can eat minutes responsibly, win you face-offs. Captain played Olympics, cups. Definition of a winner. Right? So, yeah. 
you know i think that kind of but making that cap work would be a nightmare i think outside of the top four no one else is untouchable right i think at this point i think you can't as much as we've said oh nylander's your biggest chip dude's having a monster year i don't think this is the time you package him out but again let me throw this out there when you let's say you get a timo meyer and you say i'm gonna worry about this in the off season now you stand back and you look at your roster and go okay I have the rights to Timo Meyer. I have Willie Nylander, who those two produce at the same pace. But Timo Meyer brings a little extra something, something. So yeah, I mean that's the thing. You can you like as much as people say, oh Meyer handcuffs you. I would argue Meyer brings you the most flexibility because you can start making new decisions with your roster. But I digress. That's uh, yeah, it's it's possible. I mean. That that one year ten million qualifying offer though is an absolute monster of a elephant, right? Definitely, um, yeah. That's that's a lot. And I mean, if but he like knows you said, that's it's the, flexibility. And if he knows that's the qualifying offer, like you think that man's going to negotiate much under for term? No, he'll want eight years, eight million. Yep, minimum. Right. Yeah. This is his chance to cash in, and he'd be stupid not to. As much as we can be like, man, you could play here, whatever. No. Like, let's not fucking kid ourselves. Everyone knows if they're in that position, they're taking the bag. Now, here, I'm going to ask you this question. And I don't want... I'm not hating on William Nylander. But at the end of the year, you have both. And you can only choose one. Is their price the same? No, you you have 8-8 eight, eight for Meyer. And you have right. Willie at his current contract. Knowing that Willie's probably going to ask for 8-8 eight, eight on the next one. Or more, more. How old is Timo Meyer? I'm gonna say he's 26. 26, or, very on the dot. October 8th, 96. There you go. How much? And how old is William Melander? 26. May 1st, 96. So they're only a few months apart. That's tough. The thing is, is I think Nylander has consistently shown the numbers. Timo Meyer, this is the first year that he's really shown to be a top flight NHL player. Um, so that's kind of my only hesitancy. But like you said, Meyer brings a certain sandpaper that Nylander doesn't have that he brings maybe 10 points less a season, but he he's brings, a power forward that we don't that the NHL just doesn't have anymore. My only hesitancy would be is you what if you make that deal and you keep Meyer and Matthew Nyes ends up becoming exactly what Meyer is, if not better? Then you have one on each line. Yeah. And I think like you're kind of happy with that. I just think, like you said, with Tannehill in Tennessee, the, the devil, devil you know. know. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I'm, I'm, I put it out there with no right or wrong answer. I think, you know, I, but I think the luxury of being able to make that choice would be an interesting thing for this team. Um, it's definitely a tough choice because I would lean to the power forward who can net the puck personally, but yeah. after seven years of seeing Willie do it, it's, you know, and again, I'll go back to at the end of the day, I, I, I would be happy with Lawson Crows. <laughs> so could you, hey, you never know. Maybe there could, there's every time there's these names that are on the top trade board. What if the Leafs are like, you know what? We're going to ignore all this. 
we think what we need is a Luke Shen and a Lawson Krauss, and it's not going to cost us nearly the price a Kane or a Meyer or a Gavrikov because the rumored price for Gavrikov is stupid. What is it? A they first, want a, a second, first, a third? a third, and a fourth. First, and, and he's a UFA. But I'll tell you, Get man. Fucked. <laughs> I'll tell you, he didn't have a very good game the other night, but there was that one play where it was, I think it was a two on one. And, or it was gonna be yeah, it was a two on one with Gavrikov skating the wrong way. He wasn't skating backwards, and he caught up, pivoted, and then was able to pivot back at like lightning speed. And I was like, wow, man! Like the wheels on this dude to be able to to ca- catch up, cut the man off, pivot, then pivot back when he realized he had to 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 square off the play. I was like. I could never imagine Justin Hall doing this, <laughs> you know. Well, and I watched, I, and I watched Justin Hall be res- directly responsible for three goals, and my, yeah, you know, and not just on the ice and saying he threw the puck up to the forward, the four it bounced no, off he left his, his stick, I picked up and scored. Yeah, he left his man. He didn't three cover. Times. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. I think, I think the Justin Hall experiment is long past due. I think like, dude, Sheldon I get it. Is. He eats minutes. He plays whatever, but the, uh, y- you can't, our, our two goals. Well, our one goaltender can't get hurt because our other goaltender is hurt and Hall does nothing to protect the front of the net. Nothing. He's, a, he's more of a liability than he is an advantage. You know, so we'll see. Trade deadline is in two-ish weeks from now. The cool uh, thing is, is it's literally two days before we would hopefully record, barring, you know, scheduling conflicts in life and stuff. But, like, I mean, that could be, be a good spicy, spicy episode. Oh, I'm depending talking. on what the Leafs do or don't do. Could you imagine if they stand pat? Like, we can say all this shit we want. But it's also very, there's also a good chance. It's less likely, but there's still a good chance that maybe all the prices are just way too high and they don't do anything. I think that would be worse than even just, I think that would be worse than them giving up their first round pick to get something when people are like, why are you giving up your first round pick? How many years did Pittsburgh give up their first round picks? How many years did Tampa give up their first round picks? How many years have all these teams that have won give up first round picks? Dude, you get a guy who's a decent age and that first round pick goes the other way. I don't give a shit. A 26th, 27th, 25th first round pick might as well be a lottery ticket at times. I'm yeah. not I'm not too concerned if if that's the case. Uh, especially if it's somebody with a little bit of term or who could stick around. I'm not I'm not as concerned, especially in this draft which I don't think is a very deep draft. I think it's very front loaded. Um, I, I'm I'm not concerned with a first round pick, and you know I, I understand we haven't picked a lot in the first round, but I'll tell you, Matthew Nyes was a second round pick, and everyone speaks of him like the second coming of Jesus. So, yep. Well, there was a good interview that he had with Josh Cloakey on the Athletic that I just read today, so it kind of makes me more excited for him. I think mentally he's he said he felt he wasn't mature enough last year which is to be that that self-aware as an athlete 
is refreshing to me. Yeah, it's nice to see. So, speaking of, uh, we can move on and, and talk more trade deadlines. The Toronto Raptors, the, the NBA trade line, trade line, the, the NBA trade line. Call one nine hundred eight five five. The NBA trade line. Find out where your favorite stars are moving today. Um, the NBA trade deadline has passed, and a lot of big moves. Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns. Which he wanted. Which he wanted. Um, and we, we knew he was, after Kyrie was out, we all knew Durant was out because he asked for a trade, rescinded it because he worked something out with Kyrie. And then Kyrie leaves, so I don't think there's any reason for Durant to be there. And Durant was linked to the Suns at the beginning when the trade talks were happening in the summer. So I don't think that's any big, big surprise. And I think it instantly kind of makes Phoenix the favorites, provided that man can stay healthy. Um, you know, CP, D-Book, and, and Durant is a, a lethal, I mean, I say lethal, but we were like, oh, Kyrie, Durant, and Harden. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. So we'll see how that works out in Phoenix. But I think it does kind of instantly take them to the top of the the favorites out there in the West. Um, however, the Toronto Raptors, who were supposed to be sellers for all oh, intents and purposes, all the discussion, all the conversation from the would-be pundits like ourselves and other people, um, really, really felt this was the time for the Toronto Raptors to to call it in. They were, what, 10th, 11th, couple games back from the basement. Wembenyama's coming up. Uh, he's like 60 feet tall, uh, has like a wingspan of a 747. It doesn't matter. This dude was supposed to be Giannis 2.0 and would be an attractive piece for the relatively small Toronto Raptors. Um, the Raptors did not sell. They did not move Gary Trent. They did not move Fred Van Vliet. They did not move OG Ananobi. They did not move Pascal Siakam. They didn't move Chris Boucher. They didn't move Precious Achua. They moved one player off their roster in Kem Birch. And they reacquired Jakob Pertl. Much to the confusion of a lot of the Toronto Raptors fan base. And Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster both came out and said, you know, we believe in our players. Who sounds a lot like Kyle Dubas. We believe in our players, our guys, and they can do their business in the summer. So... I ask you, Maddie, what are your thoughts on the Toronto Raptors acquiring 30-point scorer last night, albeit against the Magic, with six blocks and nine rebounds, uh, Jakob Pertl? He's your big that you wanted. (laughs) I mean, there's that. We said it. We said Um, it from the start of the year. Like I, I remember having a conversation saying this team needs a big. I mean, it's not even the start of the year. It was like two weeks ago going into the trade deadline talking about it, right? It was one of those things saying, do this, do that, do that, whatever. You will not be successful until you get a big. Um, I mean, it, it, it covers a need for the team 
And I get where Ujiri's coming from because he's not the type to want to tank or whatever. Maybe it's just a weak draft and he just didn't think it was worth it. Um, so there's that. I do think I'm baffled by the not trading Gary Trent. Fred Van Vliet, I get it because even if you do like they are, want to stay and be competitive, you need a point guard. And obviously, if you have one you're happy with and comfortable with, Fred's the guy. But I'm surprised they didn't trade something out to at least get a draft pick or some kind of asset. Um, I just, the Raptors are in such a position where it's just, it's mediocrity at the moment, which is the worst thing in sports. You either want to be really bad to acquire young assets and draft picks and stuff like that, or you want to be within the top five, 10 teams in the league. So you have sustained windows of competitiveness and opportunity and being anywhere and not in the bottom five or not in the top 10. And this is league wide, not your conference. I think it's just a death sentence. Like it's yeah. it's it's stagnation at its absolute worst. Let me let me pose a couple things to you and let me see if you you're picking up what I'm gonna put down. So first of all, I have a theory that they are holding steady this team and they're putting the pieces that they believe that they need to win until that one moment that that one player becomes available that is the difference maker the same way they did with Kawhi. I feel like they, they, I feel like Masai believes that they're in the same position they were with DeRozan where they're, they're competitive. They just need a couple things to put them over the hump. And when those opportunities arise, then they'll pull the trigger. Um, so I think maybe that's part of it. Um, the other piece is, and I don't. I, I haven't heard this in any conversation, and I'm surprised that this doesn't get mentioned a lot more. It shouldn't be lost, the fact that MLSE loves playoff game revenue. And if the yeah. Raptors make it into the playoffs because Jakob Pertl gets them into the play-in and they get into the first round and they play three or four games, or I guess they wouldn't be home, so they play three home games, that's a lot of money. Potentially. Right? So could only what, be, yeah, I guess with the playing game and then depending on where it's played and you right? how deep you go in that first round. So I I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised that ownership was like you get us into the playoffs and you get us some of that playoff money. But um Yeah. I would love to keep Gary Trent. I think he's the perfect sixth man. I think he could be sixth man of the year every year. Uh I don't know what they're gonna do with Fred. I'm I feel well, I he's feel gonna walk. He's gonna opt out and he's gonna walk. Or he does a sign and trade, which is the right thing to do, the way Lowry did. And listen, they fleeced Masai looks like he fleeced the the heat on the Lowry trade. I mean Precious Chua is coming is developing into something pretty decent for this team. Um, yeah. in terms of a, a flexible scoring big man off the bench. Uh, you don't get a lot of those in this league and he might be well, I might grow into one of the better ones um but then again so and again coming back to the the talk about slotting guys in you know i i actually really like the acquisition of pertle because i think again you get a big rim defender who will 
yeah, rebound, block shots, and can and can put a lot of putbacks. And on a team that you know really isn't the greatest in shooting, and should be, like Pirtle's gonna get a lot of cleanup duty. Yeah, right? it's a it's a big it's a big multi point swing where before it'd be throw a ball three up, comes down missed opportunity, ball goes either way, run it back, other team scores. Right now it's you're consuming a lot of those balls to get back into points for instead of points against right and he's going to defend and block six shots a game which is you know if he block like think about that he blocks six shots a game that's 12 points like i think yeah. a lot of people go oh it's only three four blocks like that's eight or nine points that's the difference in most games which so, raptors have lost a lot by eight or nine points right so um and then like you said i, I wouldn't be surprised if bobby and and Masai sat in the war room and said, hey, guys, listen, do we think we have an honest shot at one or two in this draft? And they go, mm, maybe. And they go, okay, then it's not worth it. No. Like if, if they weren't certain they were going to tank hard, and I don't think they could tank. Like I don't think they could get rid of enough guys on that rod. Like, they're too, they're, like you said, they're too mediocre and half decent. <laughs> To, yeah. to tank without getting rid of everybody. And I don't think they could have gotten rid of everyone. Like, I think three out of the four of OG... Sorry, three out of the five of OG, Barnes, Siakam, Trent, and Van Vliet keep you decent. Like, you'll still win games. Yeah. Like, More if you look at you that, remember that Leafs roster where there was like... Point. Remember the Leafs roster with jabronis? Like, the Raptors couldn't ice that, or ice, couldn't put that roster on the floor. Like, they can't. Couldn't court that team. Yeah, they couldn't court that team. Um, by it's the way, true, if you ever get a like, chance, look up the year before Matthews was drafted. Look up, look up some of the lineups the Leafs ice that night. Leo Komarov was your number one all star. Yeah. The all star representative. And he had like 22 goals. And, like, was it, who was it like, uh, I, fuck, I don't even remember some of the guys on that team. Uh, if you get a chance to look it up, it was pretty bad. But I guess what I'm getting at is they, they wouldn't be able to trade Siakam, OG, Trent, Vambly all at once. So I think they were saying, you know, we could get into the playoffs and you never know what happens. And, you know, the East is kind of, I think, like, I mean, the Nets gave up. Yeah. Did you find one? I found the least roster that year. Yeah. 2015-2016. Okay, wait. This might not be it. Because hockey DB is the worst. No, you can Google. Uh, you can. This is terrible radio, but you can Google like Leafs' worst lineup. Yeah, okay. So you had Brad Boys on that team. Your goalie was Jonathan Bernier. Mark Arcabello was one of your centers. Sam Carrick was on the team, Rich Clune, Frankie Corrado, Byron Fraze, Freddie the Goat, Grabner, Colin Greening, Scott Harrington, Peter Holland, Matt yeah. Hunwick. Dude, is that Leo Komarov, Kapanen? But I think this is before Kapanen really played. Yeah, like Martin I don't think he Marincin. played on that. Remember Martin Marincin? Just They had a boner for that guy for whatever reason. Oh yeah, but I guess Man. I guess what I'm saying is like like I said like there would be no possible way with the players that the Raptors have now they could they could do the same thing 
Right. Um, the, I believe the Leafs did that mostly in the off season, right? You had yes. the time. You weren't under the pressure of of a, a trade deadline. They got rid of most of their assets in the off season, and if, if that's the direction the Raptors want to take, it's going to happen in the summer. Um, so yeah. Yeah, they, you're right though. Like I think I think they look and say it's not worth. We can't tank enough from this point on to get a top three pick. Right. So what makes most sense? Maybe we can acquire assets in the summer at the draft or before the draft, maybe move up in the draft or say we have our first round pick. Maybe we trade sign and trade Fred's rights to another team, get another first round pick. Maybe there's another player and an OB in the off season we can do and acquire multiple picks or multiple assets for a young player of the caliber of Ananobi. And they could potentially go into the next draft if that's when they want to do their work with three or four first round picks. Right. And I think that's the, that's the key. So we'll see what the Raptors do with uh, the off season until then. I mean, they're two and one, their last three, they fortunately the three shittiest teams in the NBA, but (laughs) with the Utah jazz, the uh, Detroit Pistons and the Orlando magic, um, but you know, if they stay competitive and they get in that play in, who knows? Could have some yeah. MLS MLS and E could be very happy with some playoff revenue from the Toronto Raptors. And speaking of revenue, you know who's not happy with revenue? Uh athletes. <laughs> yeah, some athletes. Uh this week the Canadian women's national soccer team uh threatened to strike. Uh and not play the She Believes Cup. Is it the She Believes Cup, it's called? I, I believe that's what it is. You believe? She believes? Everyone believes. Cup. Um, be, due to their disgruntled and... I don't know how to... Listen, they're upset at the cuts that are coming to the Canadian national soccer program across both levels. I should caveat... They are in disagreement of the cuts coming to both the men's and women's program, uh, with the women being very upset that they are on the precipice of the Women's World Cup coming out of being gold medal winners at the Olympics. Um, Some of the things they're arguing for is equal support that the men's team gets from a facilities, players invited to training camp, um, services and maintenance, all that kind of stuff, which... I totally get it. Absolutely. Another big thing about it has been the question that has risen once again in terms of the difference between men's and women's sport, and that is the question of equal pay. Now, the women have been very vocal this week, and I'm not going to quote any of them because I haven't heard. I've only heard clips here and there. Uh, I really should do my due diligence and go back and listen. And I will, but at least the the general consensus around, you know, the concept of equal pay between the women and the men has been brought up again. Now, I'm going to go right out there and say it. Um, I Like I said, I 100% believe they should have the same resources down to a T that the men have. The same opportunities facilities the same support the same structure the same process if the men fly first class fuck the women should fly first class 
Totally yep. agree. If the men fly coach, then guess what? The women should fly coach. If the women fly coach, then the men. I all that stuff, I believe, should be a level playing field. No pun intended. All the auxiliary items outside of play on the field. Right. I do not, however, necessarily agree with the concept of equal pay, dollar for dollar. And I know that might be unpopular amongst some. However, we do also have to remember that money comes in, money goes out. The money goes out generally comes from the money that comes in, which is called revenue. And not that it's fair, not that it's right, but the reality of the situation is men's sports programs bring in a disproportionate amount of revenue compared to women's sports programs. No more evident than the NBA versus the WNBA. And there have been WNBA players that have said, of fucking course, we're not asking for equal dollar for dollar pay. What we're asking for is equal to percentage of revenue. The Which difficulty, is fair. Right. The difficulty becomes is when you look at the revenue of most of these things, <laughs> they're losing they money. paid 30 grand. Well, they're losing money. Right. Um, you know, so if, for example, if the Canadian women got equal percentage, so like equal pay is not going to happen dollar for dollar, right? Again, you have to look at it just overarching revenue. But if they, if they would argue for a percentage of revenue or something like they're already getting paid more than quote unquote, their fair share percentage of revenue. I was looking at the break. I think it's $5 million across the table. Uh, they would be making significantly less if they were now, on equal, even equal revenue share at this point. Are they asking for equal revenue sharing on top of that 5 million that they're getting? And that's what I'm not too clear on. And I think that's or, part of my, and they're also asking for transparency in the way the money's being spent, which is what they were asking for fair. when the men went through their thing, right? They were, everyone's been asking for transparency because Canada soccer business, who's directly tied to the national program tends to fuck with that money and buy suits and dinners, which is really fucked up. However, um, I'm not, I'm not talking about the transparency. Uh, I saw, I forget where I saw the balance sheet or like a balance sheet. Um, let's see if I can look it up here. Cause uh. this is the thing. It depends. If they say we want equal share of everything brought in by soccer, Canada, men and women, that's they're they're gaining money off the backs of the men's program for sure if like you said they want equal revenue share percentage wise of what the men get to what the women bring in so like if you were to take the dollars that the women draw in terms of ratings and revenue and all that shit it's it's quite a pay drop like quite a pay drop because it doesn't bring in as much money which again is it's tough it's tough because you you don't want them to have to worry about, you know, if you want your athletes to be at their best, you don't want them to have to worry about going to work or whatever. You want them to focus on training and stuff. So I get it. But I think we've also seen how shady Soccer Canada can be with their funds. 
over the past year or so. Oh, I'm not disagreeing. I just think that if you're going to come out here and listen, nobody's more supportive of women's sport. Like I'm super supportive of women's sport. My daughter, I want her to be involved. I want her to look up to these people and all of that stuff. But at the same time, uh, I we need to, to level set the expectations. And um, I would say that if, if you're going to go to social media, if you're going to go out there and you're going to say these things, I think you need to be a little specific and, and, and very clear and concise in what you're asking for, because I think it gets difficult when you kind of come out here and you just start throwing accusatory statements or whatever. And I'm not saying they're not right. Uh, I'm saying in order for you not to be misunderstood and to ensure you have the support of as many people as possible, I think you just need to be a little more clear and a little more concise in, in what you're looking for. Um, because it kind of seems like it's a little bit all over the place. Yeah. And like, I'm looking here and they say, you know, all we're asking for is to be given equal opportunity to our men's team to get ready for our world cup. Um, this came from Janine Becky who's in Qatar. I think I'm pretty sure she was on the TSN panel for the world cup. And she said she was pretty blown away by just the pure number of staff that the men's team had. Every time we come into camp, there's probably just about half as many staffers as they had. I understand the World Cup and major tournaments require extra staff, but if that's the case for the men's team, then we expect to be given every staffer that our head coach requests to have at our World Cup. Um, that comes from the article written up on this on Yahoo Sports by Henry Bushnell. Um, and that's fair. I think in terms of amenities in terms of resourcing in terms of like i said the auxiliary stuff that comes with it yes absolutely they should have exactly what the men have you know if the men have 15 trainer staff the women should have 15 trainer staff if the men have 100 soccer balls the women brand new soccer balls the women should have 100 brand new soccer balls. All that shit should be equal 100%. Um, mm. I do think that's a major issue in sports as a whole when it comes to men versus women's sports across the country. I mean, let's be honest. I think also to our country focuses very heavily on women's hockey and there's a lot of government funding that goes towards that. But I think that soccer in this country has hit a peak popularity and success that they should this would be the time where you're wanting to add funding you're wanting to add resources you're wanting to add more to both programs to really push it to the next level because i mean it's the old rule if you want to make money you've got to spend money if you want this to get bigger to make more money down the long on the long road you have to invest in it now so the Canadian Soccer so I found it, Soccer Association Incorporated had a statement of operations for the year of 2021. And the player fees, so that is the income related to player related things, I believe, or like I'm not too sure how that works. Um, but this is a revenue source was about five million and change. Commercial and other fees was 18.2 million. 
Government grants was $4.7 million. FIFA and CONCACAF grants was $4.2 million. And the World Cup 2026, at that point, we got $1.2 million from. I guess that got that from being granted the World Cup at that time. So the total revenue stream was $33.4 million over $14.5 million, $14 million 2020 in terms of revenue. This is just a statement that is shown. This is from Sierra McCormack on Twitter. Um, the expenses. So this is where, like, what it, what they spent on those teams. So remember, thirty-three million and change in revenue. The men's team was eleven million dollars, right? For over three million in twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty-one. So that is almost four times four x the spend on the men's team. The women's team was five million, and the year previous. So this is where this is where things get fucked. So in 2020, the men's expense was three million. The women's was 2.8 million. So in 2020, the the expenses for the men's and women's team was almost identical. The men's team went to 11 million in 2021. I'm assuming. Because they were gearing up for World Cup 2022. Mm-hmm. The women were almost double expense in 2021. Up to 5 million change. And then you have other things like sporting equipment, 1.8 million. Technical development projects, 1.9. Staging and marketing, 3.8. Uh, FIFA World Cup 2026. For some reason, money goes out. For the same reason, money came in. Uh, competitions, 114 grand. Administration and meetings, 2.7 million. Total expense, 28 million, which means they were in excess. Uh, looks like gross profit, excessive revenue over expense of 5.3 million dollars. So, when you, and that's a very vague breakdown. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the women having equal. for many years prior like even if you look at the 2019 statement apparently the the men had 6.2 the women had 5.8 i feel like it's a little bit off base yeah when you look at it and break it down like that and they could just be more pissed off like i think if the difference was that the men were maybe at 7 million and the women were at six this year they probably wouldn't put up much of a stink i think it's the increase from what did you say three million for the men the year before to 11 million the year later right right and and we'll have to see what the expenses are actually this year and if that's what they're fighting for is the same level of investment yeah then absolutely I yeah. totally agree. But I think that's what they need to be clear on. And maybe they can't be that clear because these, admittedly, these financial statements look they were, like they were created by a three-year-old. Like they're very vague and they're very empty. And I think- It's very lawyery where it's just like email to client. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I, and I agree. They should definitely fight for more transparency on some of these financial statements because right now men's team and women's team as an expense is kind of is super fucking big. But again, and that's why I implore both sides- as soccer is growing in this country and as kids are 
getting into it and it's becoming more popular and they're investing more because we're becoming more successful and we're automatically announced that we're automatically in the 2026 World Cup because we're hosting. Be very careful and very clear on both sides not to ruin this fucking game in this country as it's growing because this is the type of shit that does ruin the game. Yep. This is the type of shit where people get exhausted and then you have parents similar to the whole hockey Canada issue being like, well, do I really want to put my kids through that? Or do I really want to contribute to that kind of atmosphere on either side? Right. You know, it could sour potential parents on putting their kids in it, both from a, well, is this what they're going to have to deal with when they get older, if they do become successful. And then they would also say, do I really want my money going to this organization? Mm-hmm. right like you can and also too it's just this kind of news people just don't want to hear it they're just like uh right do you know what i mean like how many times has shit with come up in sports for various negative issues that we just look at it and we're just like every single hockey shirt collective bargaining uh, baseball it's and that's why again i everybody needs to be clear and i'm not saying i disagree with what the women are asking for i'm just saying be very clear because when things like equal pay get tossed around people start calling some bs so you know and i but i agree if they're asking for clear financial statements and they're asking for the financial support in proportion that the men got year over year going into a world cup then absolutely like that's not yeah. even a question so no 100 percent. i just i hope they come to some kind of positive agreement especially like you said because with men's world cup coming in four years here in this country the women's world cup coming up in july i think it's i yep. think it is in brazil that it's you don't want this being the forefront of the story going into that tournament no solve it and get to work right yeah on both so. sides that being said i think it's time for everybody's favorite segment of the week and that is shadow that is correct what you're hearing is maven's theme music Winner of Tough Enough Season 1. Every week, from our systems to your ears, the beauty that was Maven's theme music. Dude, I think everybody was like, I want that theme music in Create a Wrestler and games. Oh, yeah. Because it, at the time, it was like, this is the theme. Um, but yeah, not so much anymore. It's kind of a joke now. But do you have uh, your shout out ready? Do you want to go? Um, I w- Just touching on the theme music thing. I think now everyone wants either Cult of Personality or Misery Cantera. <laughs> well, when Punk came out to Misery Cantera oh at, uh, at AEW, it was kind of it was pretty bone chilling. I'm um, not gonna lie, I got I kind of got hurt because AFI is one of my favorite bands. And I was like, oh, because I remember you. You didn't even tell me. You just said watch Punk's entrance at AEW, and I was like, why? <laughs> and you just said just watch Punk's entrance. And when I heard this, because that is that was his Ring of Honor theme. Yeah, and it's one of I feel just hauntingly perfect songs of AFI. It's very so, good. Um, um, yeah, my yeah. shout out. It, it honestly, it's kind of so superficial and not even really that big of a one this week. But I admire greatness, and I get attracted to great greatness in sport. And man, 
Tiger Woods coming back to play a real tournament, even though it's his tournament, the Riviera, we all know this is him doing this to see if he can play the Masters. We all know that's what this is. He's getting out there. He's tuning up because come that first week of April, he wants to be at Augusta teeing off. But man, after all the sh- like injuries and shit and pain that dude's been through, he's giving it a shot. And he, you know, you got to admire the competitive spirit and the strive for greatness the dude has. Although, like I said, compared to what he used to be on tour, he seems like a dude who's just way more chilled out than he used to be. And even guys on tour have said, you know, Tiger 15, 20 years ago, you couldn't talk to him on tour. You couldn't talk to him in the clubhouse or nothing. Now he's joking around with guys. He's calling guys being, Hey, you want to go hit a few practice rounds this week down in Florida and shit like that. So, you know, he seems like a dude who's just really kind of figured it out and just enjoying it now. So, well, I think when you survive that kind of accident, you're just thankful you can be out there. Yeah. You know, exactly. So, but that's, yeah, that's again, superficial, not anything big. I just think it's, you know, when when a player of that caliber is there, you know that they're going to have one whole of the TSN 8 channels devoted to just the Tiger Watch. Well, it's TSN now or whatever it's called, right? No, not now. Mm-hmm. TSN, what, a plus? Something like that. There's TSN oh. 1 through 5, and then there's the yeah, TSN No, they have plus. the new one with all the golf on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. Well, they got to they got to find something to cover the hockey. Like I said, they had the World Cup this year. They get all the golf, so why not? Uh, my shout out is going to go to one AJ Brown for standing up for his teammate. Uh, he on Twitter, Juju Smith Schuster was like giving shit to a guy who was just being honest. Uh, and I don't understand. I don't think it's always like if you're at that. It's not good to punch down. I mean, nobody wanted Juju uh, no. out of Philly. Uh, and like I said, if they went and checked his stats, this man was under a lot of weeks in expected yards. So I and I don't know that he contributed fuck all to that Super Bowl win. So I don't know that he should really be talking. And I guess look, if you're if you got a ring, it gives you some level of authority or legitimacy in these situations. However, um, AJ Brown basically came up and said like, "Man, like Mahomes basically made you anything." Like, shut up. Uh, and Juju, again, shot back like a moron. And then credit to... I'm going to give a special side shout-out to Patrick Mahomes for tweeting out, that man's just bored. Uh, or whatever. He tweeted out something funny, basically saying, like, don't pay attention to him. Um, as a great way to support the right side of things without sewering your teammate. So, you know, not enough not enough people come out and and call out the bullshit like A.J. Brown did, so... Well, yeah, because the quote was, um, so before he, Juju posted a Valentine's Day card, like people were doing, saying, I'll hold you most when it matters. Yeah. Uh, for Bradbury. And AJ Brown says, first off, congratulations. Y'all deserve it. This is lame. You was on the way out the league before Mahomes resurrected your career on your one year deal. TikTok boy. He admitted that he grabbed you, but don't act like you were like that or ever was. But congratulations again. Realistically, if you're Juju and you got carried to a ring, show some class. Yeah. Like, I will see. Dude, dude's on a one year deal. There's no guarantee he's working next year. Oh, like, and if he is, he'll be in Houston on that bullshit team he's gonna go catch one passes for, from bryce young yeah he's gonna go one for 17 
on that team for averaging 28 yards a game and no one's going to give a shit. Yep. So, so shout out to AJ no, Brown for good. calling it the bullshit. Especially too, in, in the era of sport where everyone tries not to rock the boat, regardless, just be like, most people would be politically correct and just say, you know, I don't agree with it. He's just got to shut his mouth to just come out and kind of call it like it was. In a classy way too. Very, didn't swear, took the high road. Nope. Absolutely. Good for him. So I agree. Well, but, yeah, that brings us to the end of this episode, the 43rd episode and the Dustin List episode of 43.6. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. Leave us a review if you want to. You can follow us on all socials. We don't post a lot, but I promise you one day we will. Um, That's on me. <laughs> one new day new we'll kid, have, it's tough. One day we'll have a social media intern that does it all. Um, but until then... I'm James, he's Maddie, and for Dustin Perry, who's not here, check you on Monday next week. Stay classy.